You are listening to Down Home. Episode one, This Is Us. In this episode, we talk about our history and our Scotian experience. Every black person living in Canada eventually hears the question, where are you from? When I first moved to Toronto, I would answer the question with quiet amusement. But eventually I would answer the question with quiet resentment. Why doesn't this person think I'm from Canada? So I started answering the question with a playful, I'm from Canada. This would usually be followed with a, oh, okay, where are your parents from? To which I would smile and, and say, Canada. This answer usually garners a, ah, uh, so where are your grandparents from? To which I would answer, Canada. At this point, there's clear confusion. The person's brow is furrowed and they say, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Where are your people from? I would smile politely and say, Canada. Most people give up at this point, or they may ask for a black history lesson. According to black, the Black Cultural Center in Nova Scotia, there are four major migrations of people with African descent to Nova Scotia. The first happened from 1600 to 1700, where small groups of blacks were brought to Nova Scotia as slaves by British settlers. So these people were part of colonial towns such as Lewisburg and early Halifax. Side note to this, the British abolished slavery in 1807. Secondly, from 1782 to 1785, approximately 3,500 black refugees known as the Black Loyalists came to Nova Scotia escaping the United States after the British lost the war that led to the American Revolution. These former black slaves sided with the British at the promise of freedom. These people settled in communities such as Annapolis, Royal, Clements, Granville, Birchtown, Brindytown, Preston, Little Trisadi, Shabucto, and Halifax. This group of settlers were also followed by the Maroons in 1796. The Maroons mostly settled in Preston. The War of 1812 between the United States and Britain led to the third era of migration. Roughly 2,000 black refugees seeking freedom arrived in Nova Scotia from 1813 to 1816. Most of these refugees settled in Halifax and Dartmouth with part of the group setting, settling in Hammond's Plains and Preston. And the last significant group arrived in Nova Scotia in their early 1900s. This group was called the Later Arrivals. These black settlers were made up of Caribbean immigrants, most of who went to Cape Breton to work in steel mills and coal mines. So this, uh, just a short history, but of course, as we go along with our podcast, we'll be getting into uh, more history like the history of uh, Mr. Jones over here. <laughs> and quite the history it is. Thanks, DC Wise. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to Down Home. I am Jason Jones, and I was born down home in Halifax, Nova Scotia. That's right, I'm a Grace baby. 
I was raised by my great-grandparents and I grew up in a predominantly white blue-collar neighborhood called Klein Heights. At the age of 26, I decided that I needed a change and I made the move to Toronto. The 21 years living here not only broadened my horizons, but allowed me to explore some of my childhood passions, such as acting, music, writing. I was one of the main cast members of the pioneering improv group called Trailer Vision. I was one of the lead vocalists of a hip-hop band called The Breakdown. And now, currently, I'm an MC and spoken word performer. And in 2017, I became a published poet, and I had a poem featured in the Elephant Journal. And, uh, and at the time, these kind of things weren't really going on or they, they weren't really available in Halifax, so I decided to make the move. So 21 years later, it's 2020. It's been a year of crazy times, as we all know. And on a personal level, due to the continuing racial injustice, injustices going on in the world, I found myself being triggered more than ever before. I don't know if it was due to less distractions, COVID lockdown restrictions, or the fact that the daily grind that we usually live in is now being lived at home and we were living it in isolation. So all these things going on, all of a sudden I just, I didn't feel numb anymore. I felt a little bit more awakened to the plight of the black man and, and our daily struggle. And when, when I started to think about my history and my family, everything connected to it, it made me focus on that a little bit more and wanted me to explore the up, my upbringing and my family history. And uh, just the overall experience as a black Nova Scotian and why I left. And this is what this podcast is about. The Nova Scotian experience by two black men, myself and Derek Wise. Well, me, you know, as with uh, Mr. Jones over there, I was born in Halifax, Nova Scotia as well on October 23rd, 1972. My parents named me Clifton Derek Wise, Wise being my father's last name, but my mother's family are Chandlers. My grandmother, who was a, the matriarch of my family, refused to call me Clifton. This is why everyone calls me by my, by my middle name. So my parents never married. In fact, they separated soon after I was born uh, so my mother initially lived in my grandparents' home. I grew up on Creighton Street in the north end of Halifax, just like my mother and my grandfather and his father before him. Although a single child by definition, I had the advantage of growing up with cousins, a few living under the same roof as uh, my grandparents there. Looking back, I would say that my grandparents, my grandmother wasn't only the matriarch of our family, but the glue that bound us together. So in the, in the 70s and 80s, Creighton Street was predominantly black. In fact, the whole north end of Halifax was predominantly black at the time. My first few years of school were peppered with all shades of brown skin and very little white. It was only when my mother would take me outside of the north end that I discovered that dark skin was the minority. I remember visiting a mall with my mother outside of Sackville, New Brunswick, where my stepfather's parents lived and all the white faces seemed to be staring down at my little 10-year-old self. I asked mom, what are all these people looking at? She told me, don't worry about them, they haven't seen good-looking black people before. We weren't wealthy. I got my fair share of hand-me-downs from my older cousin, Corey. There were a few cold winter evenings 
when the oil tank that fueled my, my grandmother's furnace was low. I also remember a, a couple of days when oatmeal was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Even given these facts, my upbringing was rich, rich with family, church, and community. We were the Chandler family that lived in the Big Red House. The Upshaws and Iterus were our neighbors. The Adams family lived across the street. Every Sunday, everyone would gather at Cornwall Street Baptist Church. The church was the community focal point. It's kind of hard to put into words how close-knit this community seemed to be, but I'll try. When I was six or seven, I remember driving my bike around the block with my friends, just around the block because I wasn't allowed to leave the block, unaccompanied. So along Creighton Street, up Kennard, along Maynard Street, then down Garish Street, then back around to Creighton. When it would start to get dark and if my grandmother didn't see me in front of the house, she would literally open the window and yell my name, Derek! Exactly like that. Maybe a little bit louder. <laughs> Definitely louder. <laughs> At the top of her lungs. It, it, uh, and if it would happen that I was on Maynard Street at the time, a neighbor would lean out of the window and say, Derek, you better get home. Mrs. Chandler's calling you. This is how close-knit our community was. I carried this sense of community with me as I grew up, as I moved out of the North End, as I moved to Australia, as I moved back home to Canada, and as I got married, as I became a father as well. A little piece of Creighton Street is still with me in my heart. So this is uh, this brings us to, you know, the name of this uh, podcast. It's it's uh, it's down home. That's right. And as Jay alluded to, this uh, this podcast is literally a no it's a, it's the Nova Scotian experience from two black men. Yeah. So what does that mean to you, Jay? Well, I mean. Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, going back to sort of whatever, whatever, everything that's going on today, it triggered a lot of different things. And, you know, something you said, we've been talking about these sessions and something you alluded to was the fact that um, the things that are happening in the world today are usually from a American perspective. But like ours are like from a Canadian perspective and especially from a Halifax, Nova Scotian perspective, you know, Halifax, especially that was the end of the Underground Railroad. And, um, you know, so there's lots of black history. And because of that black history, Nova Scotia has its, seen its fair share of racism. And um, I think for me, being triggered by these things, it, it made me go way back in time. And uh, sort of back to my early days going to school, I was five years old, I'd walk up the hill, and it was a predominantly white neighborhood. So a lot of my kids that I walked to school with were white friends. But um, what, it, what it said to me, and what, what really struck me on a personal level was the fact of what I had to do every day at lunchtime, is I had to get ready, put on my kangaroos, I had kangaroos, do you remember those shoes? I remember those shoes. <laughs> and then I put them on. I thought they could make me run faster. I mean, yeah. I wasn't hopping like a kangaroo, but I had to run. Because <laughs> every day at lunchtime, there'd be a group of white kids waiting for me. And they would basically chase me home. Sometimes they caught me. Sometimes they beat me up. 
I learned how to fight that way. I learned how to take a beating that way. But the one thing I didn't like, and this is just has nothing to do with anything, but it hurt. I had this uh, key that was wrapped around my neck on this elastic yeah, band. Yeah, latch, latch key kiss. And they used to take yeah. it and pull it. And they used to hit me in the face. Yeah. So anyway, after a few months of this, my grandparents decided me decided for me to uh, go to uh, lunch at a, a church member's house. So, but that being said, those moments were like different for me because then on the other side, my great-grandfather, Sidney Jones, he was the deacon of Cornwallis Street Baptist Church. I went to church every Sunday. I was in the children's choir. Mm -hmm. In fact, in the basement, when I was young, before school started, I used to go to preschool there yeah. and uh, was actually taught by my grandmother on my father's side, Jean Skinner. So, you know, uh, going into that environment, black church, you know, soulful and just sort of a really close-knit community where you weren't treated as different. I kind of had this like identity crisis yeah. and I was like, you know, why is it that I'm this way, I'm treated this way here, but not treated this way there? Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, is like, you know, racism is something that's taught. These kids didn't know any yeah, better. Yeah. They're only, they were only doing what their father or whatever, their families or mm -hmm. whatever people thought black people were. This is the way you treat them. Yeah. You call them the N-word, you chase after them, you fight them. Yeah. They're not worth anything. So, you know, I think we always grew up with that in the back of our yeah. minds. And, um, you know, as I look back, Halifax was very, um, I don't want to say people were racist. It just had a racist vibe well, it, in the air, you know? It was very uh, segregated. But, yeah. that, um, you know, like me growing up in the North End, which was predominantly black, and that's where our connection comes from, is yeah. from Wall Street Baptist, Baptist Church. Church. And, and my grandmother, uh, she was a deaconess there, and your grandfather was a, a deacon. So that's yeah. that's where our connection comes from initially. Yeah. yeah. But my you know my experience being so different, being rooted in a predominantly black neighborhood, yeah. and I literally didn't experience uh, any real multiracial uh, situation until I was taken out of that neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Uh, which was a shock to my system. So it uh, very same city, and, you know, in Halifax at the time probably had maybe 400,000 people at the time. Probably even less than that. But very, very segregated, yes. you know, like the North End was, was predominantly black. Yeah. You know, Klein Heights, uh, Cowie Hill. Yeah. Predominantly white. Yeah. Blue collar. Blue collar. Kind of. Yeah. They're not rich. <laughs> they're just getting by too, right? Yeah, exactly, man. And that's what the thing, that's what really caused me some, uh, because when I went, I went to church, you know, I had children's choir, sang with the children choir, met a lot of friends, was friends with some of the black kids there who I got along with, but some others judged me because of where I lived yeah and they thought I was a little bit more uppity yeah, yeah, yeah. when in fact it was like nothing yeah. nothing close to the sort at all yeah. I can remember being like judged based on oh you're from there you know now how did how did it change when because how we really started hanging out was in high school yeah at Queen Elizabeth High School so you know going to school in Calgary Hill how did it change going to school because the 
QE was in the north end of Halifax yeah. at that time. Yeah. By then, growing up and learning, you know, white neighborhood, I became friends with all the, I knew everybody. I, how I changed was I decided to be funny. Yeah. So people would like me. So that was my defense mechanism. Yeah. It was like, oh, he's a jokester. And I used to make them laugh and, yeah. oh, yeah, he's all right. So I got that under control. And then when I, and, uh, and then high school came, uh, a lot of people from Klein Heights and Cowie Hill Went to made, QE, yeah. made the QEH or St. Yeah, Pat's. Yeah, yeah. And by then I was already, I'd experienced culture from both sides and learned how to navigate through it, mm -hmm. you know? So it, it, it wasn't too much of a shock to my system in the sense of now I just had to learn how to be social because yeah. like I knew, I knew I wasn't the only one because there was a big black community from the North end. You had the South end, you know, uh, which was predominantly white yeah. and more, uh, more, a little bit more wealthy. That was, I think the plight of being black then was how do we fit in with that? Because yeah. we're dealing with like, yeah. Now we got rich people we're in class with yeah. and, yeah. you know, so it, to me, it wasn't a shock. I found my groove. And of course, that's when our friendship had become in a little bit school, tighter. Yeah. yeah. At uh, Bobby D's economics class. Yeah. <laughs> didn't know too much about economics. No. And he always got us <laughs> confused. We, we sometimes he'd be like, you know, we skipped class. Come on. Everyone did it. And then uh, Bobby D would come up to me and he'd be like, Derek, was Jason in class today? <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> and then we learned how to cover for yeah, each other. Yeah. But he, the guy was clueless. But uh, God bless his soul. Was, yeah, God bless his soul. He was, a good, he was a good basketball mind and took a lot of mm -hmm. talented sort of people and got the best out of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, like, I think, again, my, my experience a little bit different. I think high school was a tiny bit of a culture shock for me. Right. Uh, like going through, now my mother did bring me up here to live in Brockville, Ontario for a few years. Whoa. Which was like, that's where I learned how to f fight very similar situation to you, like yeah. running from home. Yeah. Running to home, I should say, from school. And uh, yeah, not, not a great situation. Yeah. But we did move back to Nova Scotia I think I was 10 11 years old so and again back into the north end felt felt like putting a, a glove back on it was, it was that comfortable yeah getting back into that community yeah but high school was a little was a little bit of a, a shocker to me because I, I I went to Bloomfield before it closed down Bloomfield mm -hmm. uh, junior high yeah predominantly black yeah 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 <laughs> and then I went to St. Joseph's Predominantly black, that was down by the uh, the park. Yeah. Mulgrave Park, mostly black there too. Yeah. And then I go from that to Queen Elizabeth High School where the uh, the populations were, it was mixed, but it was mostly white. Yeah, definitely. So that was a little bit of yeah. a, I was like, oh. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, but sports is kind of like the leveling pit level playing field so i i because i was uh a football player mm -hmm. that kind of opened doors yeah for me in that situation that yeah. uh i didn't have to be funny i wasn't funny anyway <laughs> you're pretty funny 
I don't you, know, man. You had your, was, you had your moments. I had my moments. Yeah, but you were quiet. <laughs> you were quiet. I was fun, quiet. Yeah. The funny thing is, is, like, when Derek and I were, like, like uh, the connection is the church. And for a lot of black people, it is often the church. But the funny thing is, I, was, I had to go every Sunday. Yep, that's very true. <laughs> and uh, I had to go every Sunday, no matter yeah. what. So, um I would often see Eve Chandler, Derek's grandmother. She was a head deaconess. My great-grandfather, Sydney, was the head deacon. And I always used to go back into the banquet hall after church service was over and watch the, the, you know, the deacons and deaconesses count the money. But I would talk, and they would talk to me. It was actually pretty cool because they always asked you how you were doing, how school all those things that sort of brought a community together, like they really cared. And they did because the thing about the, the North End community, especially the church community, was the simple fact that um, uh, that was it. It was the community and, you know, church as far as the community goes, not necessarily the religion. And I'm not speaking about religion, but I remember it being a tight-knit community. Everyone yeah, knew definitely. you. Uh, whose whose grandchild yeah. you were, whose kid you were. Yeah. Um, it was a very positive vibe. And then after that, I would go spend Sundays with my grandmother on my father's side, who lived in Uniac Square. Uniac Square, yeah. and that was a different experience too. But I got, I got. That's where I learned how to, you know, I hate saying this, but that's where I learned how to have black friends because yeah. back then there was no. YouTube, there's no Netflix, there was no video games. So to entertain yourself, you used to go outside. outside and yeah. uh, there was the dummy field, I believe yeah, it was. Yeah, the dummy field. Yeah. Uh, uh, right, right I always used to hang out where, with, yeah. and I used to hang out with uh, Ian Marsman yeah. and Nathan yeah. Thompson, and those, those I got to know. Yeah. And, you know, and that those friendships lasted all the way into pretty much uh, junior high, like just before junior high kind of, Stopped yeah. going to visit my grandmother and stuff like that, but uh, and then I and then I revisited those friendships back in QEH because yeah. they all went there. Because well. everyone was there, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. To, like I like I said before, I think that period in my life taught me to be ready yeah. for the QEH situation. I'd lived with white people; it was yeah. in a predominantly white neighborhood, predominantly white school. Uh, so your your comfort level was there. Yeah, yeah. I was I, I won't lie, I was uncomfortable. <laughs> I was uncomfortable, man. Yeah. It um it was weird. But again, sports is the equalizer though. Indeed. Like, um and being a football player, I was I was invited in. Yeah. Because of that, right? Yeah. So uh yeah, but anyway. Yeah. We uh that's when we started hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there's some stories that are probably not going to make the pep. No, the not at all. Um, not at all. Um, but like I said, uh, Derek's grandmother always would say, you have to meet my grandson. Uh, you guys would get along great. And I remember the first time actually meeting him was in church after a church service. Edith was going home to Creighton Street and was was holding Derek's hand and she was like oh Jason this is my grandson Derek and <laughs> Derek looked at me sideways and just didn't say a word I was like hey man he just went like that and I'll never forget the moment but the funny thing was is that through whatever community uh she was right in something knowing that 
we yeah. would get along because all these years later from eight years old and seeing each other sporadically here and there he might not remember it i do because those words that edith said to me were just like you would get it so long uh, well with my grandson and he knows that now too and then for us to meet up in high school and then to sort of take a journey a, a lifelong friendship that um you know even though he's bald and has a big beard <laughs> I, I still accept him as my friend but this is uh, the gandalf come on yeah don't make fun of the Gandalf. <laughs> Lord of the Rings right there. Yeah. <laughs> but given, you know, like we're talking about how much we love down home and our experiences and stuff like that. Um, you know, we, we left. Yeah. We left. And we left a long time ago. Yes, It comes indeed. down to it, right? 21 years. Like I know I know it's still home, but, you know, what, what you know, talk about your motivations for leaving. Huh? Well, my motivation was this. Honestly, you know, as strong as uh, families can be and as strong as communities can be, for me, as I got older, being raised by my great-grandparents, they were a little bit older. And um, when I was sort of... You know, in my early 20s, that's when I was, I didn't really have that family base anymore. Yeah. So uh, my mom had moved here when she was very young. So I was raised by my great grandparents, like I said. Um, I felt like something was missing. And there was also, like, when I speak about my childhood passions, um, I necessarily didn't have the, it's not a sob story, I just didn't have the support system in order to do it because I was always taking care of myself yeah and you know which did a lot of good things so mm -hmm. uh my mom lived here and i was like i needed a change and i wanted to explore some things that weren't really happening for me in halifax i did a couple things through help of some friends that were into the arts mm -hmm. which is something i always want to explore i wanted to act i wanted to i wanted to rap i wanted to I just wanted to explore that life. And for the longest time, I thought I couldn't because I, I had to be an adult before I was even an adult. I was, had to be an adult before I became a man. And so you're not learning anything yeah. how to, to explore what your soul needs. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my mom lived here, and that was basically my motivation. Yeah. I wanted to get to know my mom. I was 26 years old, didn't really know her. So uh, I came here and just kind of wanted to hit the reset because I felt, I felt I just, uh, I don't want to say, yeah, I kind of outgrew Halifax. Yeah. My, my mind was calling me elsewhere and I think you have to explore those things. Yeah. Down home, Halifax is a beautiful place, still lots of great friends there. But um, I think sometimes, uh, and, and a lot of them have great lives there. Yeah. Uh, good yeah. And, and, and have created that community that that we grew up with they have their strong families now and of course it's a lot more you know it's not as segregated yeah. lots of places in canada are, are you know multicultural mm -hmm. but uh the essence of that thin layer of uh black white privilege mm -hmm. is still there but that's neither here nor there what what led me here was to get to find out where my 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 roots came from on a different level yeah because when i was by myself i kind of lost my family identity i yeah. knew i knew the history yeah, but yeah. i wasn't living in it every day like yeah. my grandfather very stoic and going mm -hmm. to church and doing a lot for the community 
my motivation was to find out who I was. Yeah. So I had to leave the place where my strong roots come from yeah. to find out, you know, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at. And yeah. I had to be where I was at. Yeah, definitely. To explore that. But yeah, with me, uh, I don't think I, I wasn't destined to be in Halifax. I think uh, one thing that my mother gave me was the, uh, the, the license to actually go outside of Halifax, right. you know, with her, uh, she was the first person in my family to, to get a university education. She was the first person to really travel seriously. Yeah. So there was always that motivation. Okay. You, you can go and experience other things. Yeah. That and my, my stepfather, uh, uh, Peter, uh, he actually lived abroad for a period. So there wasn't, there wasn't that, uh, that fear. There was, you know, you should go and experience new things and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So even in high school, I had, I had probably one, one foot out of the province. Yeah. You know, I don't think I was going to be there. Yeah. Um, and when I, I traveled with, uh, Nova Scotia cerebral palsy sports, right. That just kind of wet my appetite. And, you know, meeting my, my wife, Vanessa, in Australia, it was like, wow, you know, this, there's, there's other things out there. Yeah, that's interesting. There's other, there's other communities, there's other ways of yeah. life, of living. You walk through that door. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was just, it was, it was an opportunity. Yeah. To experience new and different. And that's, that's what I did. You know, moving to Australia was the beginning of it. And uh, once I was there, there was, there was no question that it, if if we were ever to move to Canada, Halifax wasn't going to be the place that, even though Halifax is home, Halifax wasn't going to be the place that we were going to go back to, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. uh, just, it's always home, though. Yeah. It's always home. It's always home. It's yeah. always home, definitely. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I mean, it's true, man. Those those things, like I said, you know, broaden your horizons. and Yeah. And, and it's funny, like, and then... I left, you left first, and then I left shortly after. Mm -hmm. And then it's so funny, like, I remember us maybe having a conversation at some point over the phone, because we kept in contact, even though mm -hmm. he lived in Australia for, what was it, two years, three Almost years? Almost three years, three yeah. years, yeah. yeah. He was like, I'm moving, I'm moving back to Toronto. Yeah. And uh, it was cool, because I remember uh, Derek coming to town, we met up, and when I was in trailer vision, he came to a screening. I don't know how good it was. And I, I could tell you were, I remember you being quiet, but you were just <laughs> observing it quiet. yeah, and taking it all in. <laughs> but I was like, Oh, cool, man. Like yeah. I got, I got my best friend here. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what's the beauty about even being in Toronto is the fact that there is quite a few Nova Scotians that live here yeah, and, this, and yeah. you, and some of us are still in touch. And when you do get together, you kind of gravitate and kind of bring that energy yeah. that we do have from down home and they're, they're white people and they're black people, mm -hmm. uh, but they bring that continued energy and that's what makes Nova Scotia so, so yeah, strong. You definitely. Know? And this is, yeah. uh, again, our motivation for this podcast yeah. is to, uh, explore that. What I really like about the idea of our podcast is actually just 
people being able to talk about it because yeah. it's glossed over with the media and then people claim that so much good is being done because celebrities are supporting this platform. Yeah. Nothing wrong. Continue to do that because it's all education. No, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, one of the things that we're doing is the exploration and the discussion about uh, race from a Canadian perspective, specifically Nova Scotian, black yeah, Nova Scotian. Exactly. So I think, uh, you know, these are things that we're going to explore. Yeah. We're going to have uh, guests here and there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely we, we are going to explore all these things in, in, as we go along. And uh, hopefully we, uh, we do that in a way that everyone's going to come back and, uh, and join us. Yeah, that's true. We're not trying to change the world. We're just trying to, uh, everyone, everyone can speak about things. And I think it's also cool, like you say, just to celebrate our culture and where we come from because our, our family roots run really deep. Very deep. And why not celebrate that? Yes. Because that is where the strength has come from to get us to this point, yeah. to get people to this point. If you celebrate the strength and the pride and everything that, you know, ancestors went through to be here now yes. it's still a journey it's still a fight but you know uh we're just trying to shed some light and celebrate down home definitely so i may be redundant and speak too much but uh that's that <laughs> not at all this is a discussion yes we're here to talk yeah all right anyway thank you for listening love peace and chicken grease i'm bringing you you have been listening to Down Home. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. The song, Breaking New Ground, from The Breakdown. On a high plateau, from the one down below to the future of the punk.